0: Are you setting that alarm clock and then hitting snooze? Are you in your ivory tower with them lofty views? Are you at that bougie restaurant with the amuse-bouge? Are you looking for that good life without the good news? That's like Mission Impossible, man, without Tom Cruise. You better get in line. You better get some vision. You better... Get it together and act like a Christian. So Chris said I had to do a rap. So Chris, I know you're out there watching, because he was watching during practice, giving us some notes on what we should be doing differently. So Chris, I know you're out there. I hope you liked your rap. I hope everyone here liked the rap too. If you didn't like the rap, well, that's okay. We can still be friends. I know that Christian rap by a middle-aged white guy is not for everybody. In fact, it's probably not for anybody. But that's not gonna stop me. So you're just gonna have to deal with that. My daughter, Lily, everybody wait to Lily. Hi, Lily. She asked me yesterday, Are you gonna rap tomorrow, Dad? And I knew I was, but I didn't tell her that I was. I just said, I don't know. I said, Why? Why do you ask? She was like, Well, because it's kind of embarrassing. I said, is it embarrassing for me, or is it embarrassing for you? And she said, it's embarrassing for me. So I figured I'd make sure that everybody knew who exactly it was. It's her right there. I I told Lena yesterday that my job as a dad is to give my kids a hard time, and it's also to embarrass them as much as humanly possible while they're still at home. So I think I'm doing a great job of that so far. So today we are still studying in the book of Acts and as we continue our journey we're going to be learning a little bit today about what that next step in the journey looks like. Before Lena and I started to attend open table, we had a small group at our house and the goal of our small group was to experience church the way that we thought it was intended to be experienced. We always ate dinner together. That's something that the group always did cuz Food is awesome. Sometimes we just talked. We'd just have dinner. We just sit around the living room and we'd just talk to each other. Sometimes we would pray for each other, depending on you know, what was going on in everybody's lives. Sometimes we'd worship, we'd get out a guitar, we'd sing some songs together. Sometimes we cried, sometimes we laughed. And sometimes we did all of those things. It was church, but without an agenda. It was church. Without much structure. Church that was much like the early church. Just some believers living life together. And it was amazing. Then COVID happened. And as COVID did for a lot of things, it kind of ruined us getting together. At the beginning times of COVID, we weren't sure if we were allowed to meet. And we really didn't know much about it. So we stopped meeting together. And then shortly after that, we found out that Lena had cancer. And so as the restrictions for COVID started to loosen up and people felt more comfortable meeting together, we were still going through that struggle. And hosting a small group at our house was the least of our concerns at that time. So we haven't got that small group started up again, but we would love to because it was really a great time. It was around the time that our small group was ending that we started to attend Open Table. And many of the things that we loved about our small group we have found here at Open Table. There isn't much in an agenda. There isn't much structure, as I'm sure you can notice a lot of Sundays. But that's okay. There isn't much politics, and we really love it that way. It feels like the way I imagined that the early church was that we've been studying about in the books of Acts just a bunch of believers living life together. We have been studying about the early church in the book of Acts, and since we've come a long way so far, I felt like it would be a good idea to recap where we've been, because all of the chapters that we've been studying thus far have laid the foundation for what we're going to talk about today. And really, what we're talking about today is a big transition that took place in the story of the early church. So let's review some of the things that we've talked about so far. In the first installment of this series, we looked at our everyday lives through the book of Acts. We focused a bit on the ascension of Jesus and how important the timing surrounding it was for not just the disciples, but for getting his message out to the world. In the second installment of our series, we cross-examined the birth of the early church and the response to the presence of the Holy Spirit. As they moved out to tell of the wonders of God, the Holy Spirit spoke the language of the people which moved them to repentance. In week three's message, Reg shared his testimony and continued our series in Acts 2, teaching on true community and the relationship of the disciples. We get a glimpse of the power of the actions versus words and how we should love God and genuinely love each other. In week four of our study of Acts, Chapter 3 presented us with a picture of what it looks like to see ourselves in the story of God. Even though we cannot see the whole picture, we can trust that God does. As we step into the narrative, we begin to see opportunities to live God's purpose and not just tell of his majesty. In week 5, we flip through the snapshots that Luke gives us in chapter 4 of what it looks like as the church shifts in their understanding of where the presence of God dwells. The temple pales in the importance of the Holy Spirit, establishes his presence in his people, and his power is displayed in their unity. In week six, we dug through Acts, and we were challenged with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. When we present only a part of ourselves, we miss out on the presence of holiness and authenticity in our lives. In week seven, Esther had us examine structures, order, and boundaries. While organization is imperative and useful, Luke shows us that the heart of our organization should be the goal of a healthy relationship. In week eight, we learned that sometimes to move forward, we have to look back. In Luke's account of the death of Stephen and the persecution of the early church, he presents the idea of happiness being birthed from pain. In week nine, we discussed the new covenant mentioned by Jeremiah and made whole by Jesus how the disciples spread that message. We talk about the tension between the old way of thinking and the new message of Jesus' salvation. In week 10, our journey through Acts comes to a major turning point in history as Saul is confronted with Jesus and his life's trajectory is altered. If not for a small group of unnamed Christians, this story would not have happened. Everyone's part in God's story, regardless of how seemingly small, is extremely important in the eyes of God. Last week was week 11 in our study of Acts, and it challenged us to answer the question, what do you do when the voice of God tells you you to do something that the Word of God tells you not to do? Peter demonstrated a posture of remaining teachable, and in so found the gospel's ability to cleanse is greater than he imagined. So welcome to week 72, I mean week 12, of our series, Acts Like a Christian. So we're going to be spending time in chapter 13 today, which means that we're skipping over an entire chapter. We're skipping over chapter 12. And since we won't be looking at chapter 12, I just want to give you a quick recap of what happens in this chapter so you can kind of see where we're at. James, the brother of John, is killed in chapter 12. Peter is arrested and the angel frees him from prison. Herod is killed because he doesn't give praise to God. The word of God continues to spread and Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem. So this is where we pick up in our story in chapter 13. So today we're going to explore the first intentional missionary trip with the new church. So the words will be up here on your screen. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, and Saul. While they were worshiping, The Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Sushalia and sailed from there to Cyprus. This is the word of the Lord. Now, when Christopher sent this to me, I was like, That's it. That's the entire passage that you want me to preach on? I have preached the entire Sermon on the Mount in one sermon, and you're giving me that little bout. But that's okay. So we will start to unpack this a little bit more in just a second. But I know how Barnabas and Saul felt. So I'm going to tell a little bit about myself and my family and some of the things that we've been through. So bear with me. After working for Walmart for four years in the year 2007, so I was with Walmart for four years at that time. I was lucky enough to get promoted to a regional trainer position. Uh, I had always wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid growing up, and so this position would give me that opportunity to teach adults, which is not something I ever really thought about when I was going through school. I didn't really know that that was a thing besides professors, that you could actually teach adults, that you can in the corporate world. It was my dream job. I love the opportunity that it provided me to inspire and develop the future leaders of the company. I still to stay in touch with many of my former students. Uh, it's a very fulfilling work knowing that you made a difference in their life and that they have gone on to impact the lives of countless other people that you'll never even meet. In the year 2014, I found out that my position at the location that I was at in Topeka was being eliminated. The company was going to have less training locations, but with more trainers at those locations. So I had a decision to make. I could either apply for one of those positions in another in another state, which means my family and I would have to move. I could leave Walmart and try to find some career somewhere else, but I was pretty invested in the company at that time. Or I could find a new position inside of Walmart. I love my job and I was really disappointed that I was going to have to do something different. I made the decision to stay with Walmart, and I was given the opportunity to be a co-manager at the Lawrence Walmart. And if you've never worked at Walmart, essentially what a co-manager is, you have the store manager, and then right underneath the store store manager, you have a co-manager, so that's kind of somebody who's developing to become the next store manager. And then underneath that, you have an assistant manager. So I worked... At the Lawrence store for about a year and a half When something really crazy happened I was at church one Sunday And there were some missionaries that came in to share I was driving to work afterwards And God laid this on me You and your family need to travel the country And share the gospel with others I thought about not even telling Lena about this idea because it's pretty crazy. It's not something that you just bring up in casual conversation. And quite honestly, I was scared, and I was trying to make a deal with God. Okay, God, you know, if this is really you, it's not just me being crazy, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go home, I'm going to tell Lena, and if she's not on board with this at all, like if she's like, this is crazy, you're not going to do this, what are you talking about? lost your mind, then we won't do it. I'll know that it's not from you and that it's just some crazy thought that I had. So I can still remember where I was. We were in the kitchen and it was kind of a weird thing to bring up, but I'm like, God laid this on me. What do you think? And she didn't say you're crazy. She didn't say get out. She didn't say, what are you talking about? You've lost your mind. She's like, okay, let's pray about it. Not the answer I was expecting, and not honestly the answer I wanted, because I wanted her to just say that's insane, and then you know I'll get it was just some dumb idea I had. Uh, God confirmed that through this. but I, I challenged God, and and God surprised me. So we prayed, and we prayed a lot, like more than any time ever that we had prayed up until that point. Then uh, there were lots of signs during this time that kept on pointing us. this direction. So we made that decision to trust God and just do it. I ended up applying for a job at Walmart with store planning. What store planning is they go around, they help remodel stores, they help set up new stores, but the good thing about store planning is they can travel around, so this would provide us the opportunity to, to go around the country. And we prayed that if it was in God's will for us, then he should open that door. And if it wasn't in his will for us, then he should close the door. And he opened it. And so we walked through it. When I started the job, I was under the impression that I would be traveling around the country. When I started, I found out that we were going to be kept as local as possible, which was different. So I thought I'd be traveling the country, and then I found out that You know, I might be going as far as Wichita, which, you know, the people of Wichita need Jesus too, but not exactly what I thought I was going to be doing. Uh, I was also told when I was interviewing for the position that my family could travel with me. They can come with you. That's fine. Yeah, no big deal. Cool. That kind of fits into what we wanted to do, so that works. When I started the job, I found out that they could visit, but they couldn't travel with us all the time. And I started to question, like, what in the world's going on here? I didn't really understand. Like, I, I stepped out in faith, and this doesn't quite fit what we were going to be doing or what we thought we were going to be doing. So it was a very confusing time. And then somebody reached out to me, and I was about five months into this job, and contacted me about applying for a job as a trainer at something new that Walmart was starting called Walmart Academies. And this job was very similar to the job that I had previously had that I had loved. And the person who contacted me wanted to know if I was interested in having a job like I used to have. And so now there's tension here because there's this path that God had set us on, so we thought, and then there's this opportunity to go and do what I love to do. And we didn't know what to do, so we prayed about it, and we put it in God's hand. And we prayed the same way that we prayed before. God, if this is from you, if this is something that you want us to do, then open the door. And if it's not from you and you don't want us to do it, then just close the door so we have no doubts. So I applied for the job, and I got the position. So we walked through that door. To this day, I believe that God was testing us. I think he was asking, were we willing to look foolish for him? Because, believe me, people thought we had lost our minds. In fact, this became our verse. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Second Corinthians five thirteen through 15 People thought we were nuts. I know they did. Some people in fact told us, you're crazy. But that was our motto. If we're crazy, at least we're crazy for God. And if you're going to be crazy for something, it might as well be for Jesus. Maybe God was asking, Are you willing to give up $10,000 in salary a year? Because that's how much money I lost when I took that position in store planning that allowed us to travel around. Was money more important than God? Was I willing to sacrifice my career from Him? Because this was a huge step back. I was training to be the next store manager, and that would have provided me a lot more opportunity. What was more important to me, my career or God? Were we willing to completely change the lives of our children? This is not something that they wanted to do. And the answer to all these questions was yes. And for years, I wrestled with whether or not we made the right decision to begin with and the next decision that we had to make about the next position that was offered. I knew that all of our decisions were bathed in prayer. But in the back of my mind, I always wondered why God would make us go through all of that. And then one time I was listening to a sermon, and this sermon wasn't really about that specifically, but these verses made me realize that sometimes God has asked for sacrifices that he didn't require. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now, think about this for a second. Abraham is going to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and he makes him carry the wood that he's going to sacrifice him on up to the mountain. That's savage right there, son. You know, he, of course Isaac doesn't know this at the time, but you know he's going to make him carry the wood up the mountain. He's going to burn him with. Come on, that ain't right. So as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, "Father, yes, my son." Abraham replied, "The fire and the wood are here." Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac's starting to put stuff together here, like, wait a second, where's the lamb? I I don't see it. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities, of their enemies, and to your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Genesis 22, 1-18. through 18. Can you imagine the therapy that Isaac must have needed later on in life? The trust issues that he must have had? Hey, Isaac, will you go and uh, cut some firewood? No, Dad, I'm good. Like... A lot of trust issues if you're Isaac. Totally understand. He probably had a pretty messed up life after that. So I, I'm not necessarily comparing ourselves or myself to Abraham because that seems like it's pretty sacrilegious. But there's definitely some some parallels here between our story and, and the story of Abraham and Isaac. Um, you know, God asked us, and and we stepped out in faith, and He ended up giving us everything we ever wanted. I honestly don't think I would have had the opportunity to be in the role that I am now at work had we not faithfully followed God. Shortly after I left the store that I was in, a series of things happened, and the store manager ended up losing their job, and one of my peers, the other co-manager, ended up losing their job, and if I was there, I probably would have lost my job. So, God was looking out. He orchestrated every move. We were faithful to follow his lead, and in the end, I ended up with a job that I love. I get to share the gospel every day at work, and I don't have to beat people over the head with it. I just try to live like a Christian, and I get to bless people. I get to impact countless of people who I'll never meet. The people that get trained at the academy at Walmart go back to their stores, and they get to interact, and hopefully the things that we teach them there, help inspire and motivate others. The fact is that I don't have to travel the country to spread the word of God. I can share it wherever I am. So let's dig deeper into today's verse. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Some key call-outs here. The Holy Spirit spoke to them as they were worshiping and fasting. So, that means that we have to put ourselves into a position where we can hear from God. We have to worship God. Sometimes we have to fast. We have to posture ourselves so that the Holy Spirit Can speak to us So that's one thing we have to do What is our posture Is our posture Where it needs to be So the Holy Spirit can speak to us And when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us Are we listening To what it has to say Another call out here Is the fasting and praying They didn't take the situation lightly They didn't just say Have you heard from the Holy Spirit Go Go They made sure that that is what they were supposed to do by following some spiritual guidelines. So if you have heard from the Holy Spirit, have you prayed about it and prayed a lot about it? Have you fasted about it? Have you prayed and fasted about how God can use you or others? Lastly, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So they didn't just say, go on your way, God called you to do this, we prayed, we fasted about it, we're good. Off you go. They were intentional about blessing those who God had called. How are you assisting or blessing those that God has called? Up to this point in our study, the actions of the early church were just trying to keep up with what God was doing. It was almost like they were just running and trying to keep up. Now, this is them being intentional. They're intentionally setting out to spread the gospel. If you remember what we've studied so far, any time that the early church was going out, it was really just going out mainly to flee persecution, and they spread the gospel that way. But this is intentional. They're intentionally setting out to spread the word of God. And that feels a lot like what we're doing here at Open Table now. We've just been trying to keep up. Soon after the church came to Wellsville and people started to come here and get into roles and things really started to get going, COVID happened. And we had to learn on the fly how to do live streaming and in, in virtual church. And then we had to figure out how to do in person church and live church together. And streaming, all of that at once. And now we're starting to be intentional about getting our small groups started. And we're thinking about ways that we can reach out to those truckers who are right outside our doors. What I have learned is that you don't have to travel across the country to spread the gospel. You don't have to go very far outside these doors. Those truckers are just right out there, just waiting to hear the word. In fact, you don't even have to leave this church to spread the gospel. You can share it with those who are right here. So how do we respond to this? The time has come for us to be intentional. We need to be intentional in how we go about reaching out to spread the gospel. Just like the early church, they had to first set the foundation. And then they had to go out. So it starts here. We have to equip ourselves. We have to have a strong community of believers. We have to be a family. And we do that by eating together. We do that by praying together. We do that by worshiping together. By crying together. By laughing together. By studying the word of God together. We do that by doing life together. We stop viewing church as a building we attend and recognize that God intended church to be just a bunch of ragamuffins with their guts exposed, being okay with not being okay. We have to open ourselves up to each other. Our small groups are a great place to start. If any of that or all of that scares you, then I suggest that you lay it down at the foot of the cross. Take your fret and your fears and just lay them down. Let it go. Be completely exposed. There's no point in hiding from the one who sees everything. We can also look at today's text and remember what it has to say to us. Are we in the correct posture for the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Are we worshiping? Are we fasting? And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, are we listening to what it has to say? Have you prayed and have you fasted about how God can use you or how he can use others? How are you assisting or blessing those who God has called? If we are faithful to follow God in his calling, he will be faithful to his promises to us. Let's go to the table.